Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Just before we go to Brian Lott, we open up with uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Time, the cover version by the Bare Naked Ladies, which I've always felt is better than the original from Bruce Coburn, who I like as well. But anyhow, I got this text from Daryl on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. He says, Bob, what U2 song pays homage to uh, that Lovers in a Dangerous Time song? I I did not know, so I said, Daryl, I don't know, and he texts me back, and he says, God Part 2, Bono sings, heard a singer on the radio last night, said it's going to kick the darkness till it bleeds daylight, a line from uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Time. I did not know that. Wow. Like I said, 98% of our texters and listeners, they're on it. They know it. And lots of you have jumped in on one of the themes. And we'll get to some of the CBA stuff and all that. But just in terms of championships, teams winning a championship in this COVID world, um, some have said, well, it's an asterisk. It, it, it's not... I'm completely from the other school on this issue. I think it's, you know... And again, if we're fortunate enough to get the world... Like if the World Juniors, you know... It gets you know gets completed, and that's knock wood on that front. Or we get fully back up in Adam, and I think we're going to get back up in Adam at the NHL. I will not look diff- uh, down on any team that wins a, a championship in this year. I think it's a remarkable accomplishment. Let's talk to our next guest. He knows a lot about a lot of different things, even though he's very modest about what he actually knows. Uh, we welcome back to our show our headliner today. For touchback safety, from fall protection to forklift training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. We welcome back Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Brian, how you doing? I don't know if I'm modest or stupid. I'll let you figure that out, Bob, about what I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a lot of days that I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, are you a dummy? And then there's... And then there's a lot of days I look at my wife and I say, man, were you a dummy for marrying me? But anyhow, I digress. Uh, so with all seriousness, uh, on this topic, because I had a couple people over the last couple of days sort of dismiss the, you know, like, you know, the Steelers started the year 11-0. and And they're like, ah, yeah, you can't count the year. You know, it's, it's, it's a COVID year. Half the teams are missing players and. You know, Tampa Bay, they didn't really come. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like the, the the conditions of which, and hey, we'd all love to make the money, but the fact of the matter is the players had a lot of their civil liberties taken away from them, traditional liberties that they would, would live their life in in order to play, and I think it should be admired, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that. 
Uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I don't think it's a knockdown. If anything, it's equal or a step up, particularly this year. I mean, what the guys went through, as you talk to more and more players that were in the bubble, you find out uh, it was great to be somewhere focusing on something that was important in the players' lives, but it sucked <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I keep hearing that word over and over. So it just was a lot tougher than I think the average fan thinks. Nobody's feeling bad for guys that are back earning a living, making great money. But at the same time, it was significantly different, and you could make an argument that a lot of the players that were back and playing money, you know, even through this time, hasn't been the most important thing. They did it because they loved the game. I think a lot of players did it because they wanted to give people something to think about other than what was going on in the pandemic. I spoke to a lot of guys that brought that very statement up. So uh, if anything, I give them a notch up, not a notch down to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I think of like maybe a guy that's married and he's, he's, his wife's having their first child, right? And he's not there. Or maybe somebody's got a parent that is not doing too well or, God forbid, has COVID or whatever. And you can't be there to support your, your family because you're playing. And somebody brought up, well, wait a sec, Bob, look at the decision that Tuka Rask made and how that changed the complexion for the Boston Bruins. And I, you know, that's, and, and, and therein lies the rub. The, the reality is players could opt out. And so uh, it, it's a unique one, to say the least. A bit of a political football as well, given the, uh, uh, you know, given everything else that we're going through at this stage. Exactly. And, you know, the St. Louis Blues took a little bit of grief because they've been pretty public about uh, maybe not feeling it in the bubble in terms of playing their best. There is something to be said about you need to be in the right frame of mind, whatever you're doing, to do it well. For whatever reason, uh, you know, some of their players, they just flat out said it. A lot of their, a lot of their team has not a unique makeup, but it's heavily favored towards families and older players, and it was really tough on them. They never got to their game. The whole thing was kind of a disappointment. They have an outstanding team. Uh, I picked them as somebody to potentially make it back to the finals. I was shocked. But psychologically, there was just a lot more going on than anyone will ever realize. And whenever you talk to anybody, if you get a chance to sit down with a player, it inevitably will end up there. Well, and in St. Louis's case, I mean, we have a personal connection to Edmonton. I mean, I got, you know, Jay, Dan Bomeister came to my wedding, you know, and his son Jay basically had his career ended in one moment. And fortunately for him, it, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it could have been worse, as we all know. He had suffered cardiac arrest on the bench, and Jay was a very uh, – Jay's the type of personality that nobody really dislikes. Like, he's just a – first of all, he's really good. Secondly, he doesn't want any of the attention as a player. And, you know, he's an absolute thoroughbred as a player. And then you watch a teammate go through that. So they'd already had a pretty significant uh, life-altering experience for their team during the course of the season. Right. Right. You know? And then you just add all the more on. And it was just a, a team that never came together. And, you know, a lot of things happen when you're playing hockey and you're very focused and you're doing it. But when something like that happens, it definitely gets to you. There's a lot of other smaller things that you don't pay enough attention to that you should, but something like that you just couldn't run away from. 
and a lot of those players uh, obviously were, I don't want to use the word traumatized, but significantly uh, not themselves for a while after witnessing what they happened. It's just one of those moments when you realize, especially when, when you're a young man playing yes. hockey, it's everything in your life. It really, truly is. It consumes everything. And you don't have the balance that you get as you get older. You haven't been through the trials and tribulations of life the way you'd like to. These guys aren't wallflowers, don't get me wrong, but you're laser-focused in order to keep your job in the NHL or you don't keep it. So that keeps you in line. Well, I mean, it's funny, and I think back to, you know, I lack the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline to play in the Western League, let alone the NHL, Brian. But uh, I remember being a guy in my early 20s, and I thought I was invincible. And I remember reading The Republic, uh, and Cephalus, the talking head, is sort of talking about the inevitability of death as he gets into his late 50s and early 60s or whatever and you do look at life differently and from a different perspective and and you maybe have more respect for just uh the fragility of situations so i i'm a guy put me totally in the category like i think what tampa bay accomplished was like i'll give you i'll give you an example where like i'll put an asterisk on something Whatever the name of the Russian team, the Russian Independent Federation of Team, or whatever they were called in the night in the 2018 Winter Olympics in hockey, that's an that's an asterisk gold medal for the Russians. They had more of their better players available to them that elected to stay and play in the KHL than other countries had available. That's not the same as Canada winning in 2010, beating the Americans in a great game, or uh, you know Canada beating Sweden in 2014 because every country had their best players in the world. And the Russians winning that gold medal in 2018 to me was different. What about- uh, no doubt about that. I absolutely agree. It meant a lot to the players that were there and won. And it should. It was a gold medal. But when you get to play in the best league in the world like the NHL and you're an NHL player and you're known as that and you get a chance to go to the Olympics, you want to beat the best in the world. I didn't expect those players to turn down the opportunity but it definitely comes with an asterisk that it was not the same. We're joined right now by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Brian, what's the uh, – I know Gary Bettman spoke in the last 24 hours and communicated, we're going to have a Canadian division. Is this thing going to happen here, do you think, uh, the startup of the National Hockey League at some time, maybe between mid to, uh, mid to late January and early February? Uh, absolutely will. Uh, you know, that could certainly change as COVID is unpredictable, and that's really the only thing, in my opinion, that could stop uh, the moving forward of the National Hockey League. Now, the business aspect, which we've talked about uh, ad nauseum on this program over the last few weeks, is is coming together. Not every I is dotted and every T is crossed, but the majority of the issues have been knocked down. There's still some that remain, but they're not insurmountable. So I absolutely believe that uh, unless we see some horrific turn in terms of COVID, uh, we will have the National Hockey League back soon, and uh, it'll feel really soon with how things are moving forward now. Do you believe that there will be a taxi squad where maybe players get paid AHL money but get NHL per diem and that sort of thing? Um, I do. I mean, if you look at the bubble – Right? What happened with all those guys? They didn't all get their NHL salary. You got your money if you were activated to play in the game once you were outside 
a specific number of players on the roster. I expect a similar type scenario. It would be impossible, for instance, for the Edmonton Oilers to have their American League team playing in Bakersfield and not be able to uh, get a guy in from that team for a couple weeks if they needed a player. So, you know, the way I see it shaking out is that, you know, you'll have an expanded roster of up to 30 guys, and those guys will get paid their AHL number, whatever it is, if they're on that list. And that won't count against the cap. You know, these are the little things that fans don't really care about. Some people are fascinated by it, but for the most part, they just want to see hockey back. But all those logistics will be worked out, and a lot of them will be solved with common sense, not rocket science. Yeah, uh, the the testing, I, I believe the NFL tests every day. Is that something that would continue? Uh, I mean, would that have to be a modus operandi for the National Hockey League as well? Uh, I'm not sure if every day will be necessary, but I personally would like to see that. At some point, these things are somewhat cost prohibitive. I took a COVID test yesterday for free at the airport. I had traveled recently, and, uh, you know, I just get tested frequently. For MLB, we have to get tested, or, or NHL Network, I should say, for the fans. For NHL Network, we have to get tested every week when we're working. That's the standard right now. Um, is that going to increase? Possibly for NHL players. I feel like it should be certainly more than once a week, but I'm not sure it needs to be seven times a week. Yeah, that might uh, that might be a tad intrusive. Um, did you see, I don't know if you saw this, and I, I should have prepped you on this, uh, Forbes has uh, pushed a piece here out on the valuations of NHL franchises. There's, there's some pretty interesting stuff in there. Uh, the top five teams basically were flat. Uh, the Rangers, the Canadians, uh, Mon- uh, Toronto, Chicago, and Bruin, they, uh, Boston, they, they valued those five teams as uh, all above a billion dollars uh, in terms of their values. And they said that they accounted for a quarter of the league's revenues, those five teams. Well, I mean, I, I guess uh, that would make sense. Um, the, the, one, the one thing, Brian, just as an aside, they talked a bit about expectations for club teams. They said the New York Islanders lost $39 million in valuation, yet they're – okay, they say the, the the Islanders lost the most, $39 million last year. They also said that the Tampa Bay Lightning posted an operating loss, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization of $11 million. Now, you, you worked for Tampa. Does that, does that surprise you that teams were riddled that heavily given the fact that they didn't have any home playoff dates? Uh, It doesn't necessarily surprise me. I can't speak to the credibility of those numbers, to be honest with you. I can certainly give you some reasons why some of those things would be applicable. You know, Tampa Tampa is a small market team. Jeff Finnick has done a wonderful job of re-energizing and increasing the value of that franchise. He's put over probably close to $100 million into the arena. He's put well over $75 million into the community, and he's really made it a life project for him it's nice to be able to have the wherewithal to do that kind of like jeff is publicly rumored to be worth somewhere between two and four billion that's a widespread but whatever it is it's a lot of money in terms of on a yearly basis though without fans uh you know tampa i don't know what their current tv deal is but it would be in the 
certainly below the cut line. So you got your regional TV. So you might see a franchise in the NHL that has 15 million local, and you might see a franchise in the NHL that's getting 80 million. Right. Massive disparity. Massive for your regional dollars. You know, the NHL is not. Um, it's not as conducive as, say, the NFL is, where the amount of revenues that are shared are significant enough to really flatten out city to city. Sure, the Dallas Cowboys do the best of anybody in the NFL, but guess what? The Green Bay Packers, there wouldn't be as much disparity between them and Dallas as there would be between a Toronto and, say, I don't know, what do we want to pick on? Well, that's yeah, exactly. Well, I'll give you. It says here the Florida Panthers lost nearly thirty million in part because their revenue sharing check was roughly sixteen million instead of the expected twenty-four million. Uh, just on the TV numbers, um, the U.S. and Canadian packages, the national packages, paid each team twenty million dollars combined, uh, compared to two hundred and sixty million per team in the NFL. So there you go. 13 times the amount of national TV money in the NFL than there is in the NHL. The Montreal Canadiens collected 50 million for regional, so their combined TV revenue is 70 million. The Leafs got 40 million regional. That got them to 60 million. The Rangers, who are owned by MSG, uh, 35 million, so that gets them to 55 million when you factor in the national TV numbers. So there's your point. Like, there, I, there might be teams that are getting less than $5 million for their regional uh, television uh, numbers. And then you have Montreal that's getting $50 million for their regional TV rights. And that's the point you're making. Having managed a team and looked at a number of books, yes, I can say that <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Interestingly, with Toronto, they are owned by two networks. Yes. 75% as, of course, Larry owns the other 25 Tenenbaum. But, yes, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there. You could be Ottawa though, where Eugene is being paid a very pretty penny for his regional rights. Yes, they got thirty three million dollars a year, I believe. Which, for uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, that is the number that they ended up getting. I'm, it's, uh, I might have to look into that again. But that's Bell that pays them that. Hey, uh, just I'm going to. No, you don't need to look into that. That was circumstances. Sportsnet had just acquired the national rights, and right. Ottawa was one of the franchises that was available. It was and like, they were able to profit from that. I believe it was a 12-year 12, 12 deal at $400 million, if I'm not mistaken. But somebody might correct me on that. Hey, I'm going to put you on the right. spot here. Tell it, tell it, tell it, if you could, you don't have to say which organization, but we know that you've had interest from multiple NHL organizations. How many teams have you actually seen the books for in the last three years? In the last three, not not many. I really did the majority of that work previous to that. Okay. And I looked at one, I'll count them in my head, one, two, three, four, five, six teams books. Okay. Interesting stuff. Love having you on, Brian. We'll talk uh, as we get closer. We'll we'll get a little bit more specific on how you see the divisional shakedowns, whether or not Buffalo's getting a bit of a raw deal because of the makeup of their potential division. And obviously, we'll talk be talking about a little bit of Canadiana as well. Brian, thanks for doing the show. My pleasure. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That is Brian Lawton from NHL Hockey. Uh, the NHL Network uh, joining us out of. Uh, 
well, out of Minnesota today, but uh, you heard him. And, and just so you're aware, when he referenced the Major League Baseball Network, uh, MLB Network and NHL Network work together. So that's... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's why he, he referenced uh, uh, Major League Baseball there. We'll take a quick time out, 12.53, get back with an Oilers Prospects report. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot, Connor. It is 12.55 in town. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott uh, with you on Oilers Now. Do you want to mention to you, Roos Chris Steakhouse, greatest steak you've ever had? Uh, well, they, like many other businesses, are going to be in a little bit of a shutdown mode, at least in the uh, short term. But uh, we support them, and they've been a big supporter of ours for the last uh, several uh, years. As we go into the Oilers Prospect Report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Back at the 630 Chid Studios, here's Brandon Escott. Fifth-rounder Carter Savoy continuing his white-hot start to his NCAA career, scoring the game-winning goal in the final couple minutes uh, to push Denver past the number-one-ranked University of North Dakota 3-2 to two yesterday. That brings Savoy to five goals and an assist in four games, two of those against North Dakota, again, the top team in the country, one against Minnesota Duluth, always competitive, and one against St. Cloud State, uh, also not a slouch of a team. They get Miami of Ohio tomorrow, 2.35 our time to Denver Pioneers. Uh, Dmitry Samarukov, he's up to 32 games played now with uh, Seska Moscow in the KHL. Just eight points in those and none in his last 10, but the ice time is there and he's now up to plus 20, albeit playing on the best team in the league. Um, and Anta, Anton Slepeshev has has paced Oilers properties in scoring all season. Still the case. He's got 23 points in 26 games there on that same Moscow team, although he hasn't played in over a week now, and neither is teammate Kirill Maximov. All right, so it's interesting because the Oilers do not have... Sle- Slepeshev's rights expire at the end of the season just so everybody's aware. So he can pretty much go wherever he wants as a free agent. I do believe he can play in the NHL. I think he could probably play as a third or slash a fourth liner. And But they're not – you know, some of, some of the agents were trying to get those Russian players like $1.5 million uh, a year. That ain't happening anymore unless you're an absolute – you know, unless you're putting up two points a game in the KHL. It's just not happening. And that's, that's going to be a byproduct – of what's going to happen with a flat cap in the future. There's going to be organizations that do not play much above the floor. It's just the reality of the situation in the in the short term. It's going to be really intriguing. Uh, Carter Savoy, he can shoot the puck. There were some concerns about uh, his conditioning and that sort of thing. I, the Oilers have a chance to hit a home run on a sleeper there. I don't think there's any question about it. It's worth their advantage. They had more information on the kid. He's off to a great start. Denver's been a traditional... Uh, hockey power, I don't know, since the 1960s, since the days of Jim Wistie. 12.58 in Edmonton. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. And when we come back on Oilers Now, we'll hook up with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.